Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Over the years, the anti-vaping movement honed the tactics of creating mayhem and misery for those who rely on vaping as a tool for harm reduction. For vapors, wading through lies and half-truths have long been the daily norm. Yet the mendacity seems to be getting worse, as ideologues in the war on vaping capitalize on recent health scares to plot new attacks intended to stamp out vaping for good. Joining us today on RegWatch is Phil Bassardo, celebrated YouTube show host and co-host and a prolific vaping reviewer. Phil is going to share his aggravation over the mind-bending hypocrisy of the anti-vaping movement, and we hope to learn what he thinks could be a winning strategy for vaping. Phil, thanks for coming back on RegWatch. Absolutely. It's good to be back with you, Brent. It's good to see you, too, and thank you for having me. Was it on the Smokers show, or was it? it well, no, I think you were on the DP show. That's right. You were on the DP show. So we have all the issues worked out now. Everything's ironed out. We're we're rocking. We're on fire. Okay, because you know between uh, you whether I come on the show with Dimitri, I come on the show with you, or I come on the show with Patrick, there's always technical difficulties at the very beginning, and I'm I'm wondering. I'm 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 going to start to take it personal. I'm going to start to think it's my fault. <laughs> well, I'll be happy to blame you. That's for sure. Absolutely. Everybody else does. So yeah. So it's Phil, good to hey, be back with you, Brent. Oh no, no. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It really is. And I mean, you know, to that point, you're one of the big names in vaping content. So quickly walk our audience through your background and you know what what got you started. Now I know tasteyourjuice.com is kind of a portal for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um that that's kind of been my baby uh from the start. Now the YouTube video started before the website, and I actually I have a timeline and I should have called pulled it up. I'll see if I can while we're talking about this. But um, the, the website came a little bit after the reviews because I wanted a place to store everything, right? Not just the reviews, but other information about vaping. So the the website really is a, um, it's a plethora of, of information about vaping. There's a vapor's glossary, how to get started, where to get started. All of my reviews are posted on the website. Um, Bill Tarling is doing a fantastic job of posting vaping related news articles on the website. Uh, you may know this, uh, this show, uh, Brent, it's called regulator watch, <laughs> uh, that gets posted on the website. So it, there, there's a lot, I mean, th th this website is years and years of data, of photos, of posts, uh, just just years of uh, of information on that website. One of the most important things on that website, though, is still to this day I consider uh, most important is these success stories, mm -hmm. right? So those are little emails that were written to me, um, thanking me for having like a, maybe a little bit of a part in, in helping people, you know, either get off the cigarettes or stay off the cigarettes. So whenever anybody sends me, uh, you know, one of those emails, uh, they wind up right there. Uh, after I get their approval to post it, of course. Have you noticed a, a change uh, in terms of, say, I don't want to say uh, the number and quantity, but maybe that's the case. Um, has there been a tone change in terms of the people that have come on and said they've quit? Or is there less quitters uh, posting? You know, that's a really good question. Uh, and, and I wish I had the data. You know, I really do wish I had the data. I mean, the data might exist. Uh, I don't know. Right, because I'm you know, Dimitri is really the numbers guy and the data guy. Uh, I, I get the data when I see it, and then it, get, it gets explained to me. Then I understand it. But what I would love to see is like the number of people who have transitioned to vaping from smoking successfully, right, uh, in the year 
2006, 2007, 2008. I want I want to see that bar chart. I want to see what it really really looks like. Um, because I mean, there was a heyday back in in vaping when when people were like quitting left and right. Uh, and I knew this because I would walk into uh, events and shows, and, and people would just come up to me and you know thank me, you thank you, thank you so much. You helped me get off cigarettes, and, and that's one of the greatest feelings in the world, Brent. It's one of the greatest feelings in the world, uh, knowing that you you had some part in helping somebody get off of cigarettes and and onto vaping. You know the tobacco harm reduction aspect of vaping. Absolutely. So let's let's walk them through. You've got your YouTube channel. Uh, which yeah. is uh, P. Bissardo, and you've got yeah. about 135,000 subscribers, uh, you know, I think around 40 million views, so def and 800 videos, almost 900, 880 videos that yeah. are up there. I trolled you a little bit before I had you come <laughs> on, obviously. And um, now, mostly reviews, and you dabble a little bit into other things, but it's a review-heavy site, correct? Oh, yeah, it's definitely a review-heavy site. I mean, that's where it started. And, and you know, like, every time I post a review now, People say, oh, you still review? And I'm like, yeah, I've actually never gone anywhere. Uh, the problem became all of the traveling that Dimitri and I were doing, right? So traveling for Inigin or going you know, overseas for Inigin or going overseas to, to take part in events, whether it be the Hall of Vape or Bop Expo, uh, you know, all of these, all of these events, and you know, they wanted to have us there. And you know, we're honored to to be there, uh, honored to be a part of, of that. And um, when you do all that traveling, it's difficult to do that and the reviews, right? So my re the, the number of things that I was able to review definitely decreased. Now, when that happens, Brent, in this world, in this game, when you can't provide content on like a, like a weekly or biweekly basis, uh, your views, they, they go down, right? They go down. Uh, and also the, the number of companies that, are, that, are, that want to send you product, that goes down. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not, not that I'm back, but I, now I have time because we're not doing the traveling. Hopefully that will pick up again. Right. But, um, so, you know, I have been doing, you know, a few more videos and when, when I do get product right now, I am able to do a review for it. Yeah. And it seems that, um, obviously there's just been an overall, I guess it, it's a double thing. It's a double hit. I do believe that YouTube has been throttling views uh, on vaping content across the board. And then you've got people that are kind of a little bit kind of vaped out, whether it's, whether it's because they've been, you know, um, what's the right word, you know, what is the right word? They're, they're just kind of like, they're, they've kind of lost their fight, I guess, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I could totally understand that. And I, I see that more and more in the industry. I mean, I, I feel it, I feel it every day. Uh, there's times where, where I have to turn to Dimitri and Dimitri has to say, you know, he'll tell me we, we got to keep going, Phil, we got to keep going. There's more people who are smoking. We got to convert. I'll have to do that for him on days. Uh, so it, it has been really good to have that guy by my side. Uh, cause I think we keep each other, you know, going. Yeah. But, that's, and just for everybody, I mean, Demetrius Agrifodius has been on our show a couple of times too, as well. Um, and this is, uh, obviously Phil and Demetrius. Um, the Smoker Show, a vape show dedicated to smokers. Now, yes, this is relatively new. What, what, what was the impetus for this show? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's relatively new. We've been doing that for about a year and a half now. Oh, I mean, really? we're in our okay. we're in our second season. Um, the goal of that show, it, it um, it's really to talk to smokers. 
it's to because that's always been my my problem, my challenge, something that I think about on a daily basis is how do we reach more smokers? Um, and, and, and it's a huge challenge. Uh, and it's even more of a challenge these days because everything that you see in social media, by the way, I took a note here. I'm something I'm angry about something. Everything you see, uh, well, not necessarily in social media, but mainstream media is very vape negative. Right. So that was another goal of the show. So the goal was get smokers involved, uh, show a different side of vaping, take take the uh, the terms and the information and kind of break it down and make it easy for people to understand. Uh, even as far as like some of the negative news stories, break those down too. break down the myths, tell the truth. Right. And, and that, that kind of leads me to the thing that I'm angry about, because when, as I was waiting to come on the show, um, what I saw on the screen was the whole truth logo. Right. Right. And that, you know, that, that just makes me angry. It makes me angry because I'm seeing it here on social media with you, but that logo should have been seen by the entire country and your country as well. Yeah, it's hard uh, not to believe that um, a full national uh, television campaign back in uh, 2018 would have not made a difference. And it, really, that, that campaign would have run right into a volley. Yeah, no, it would have. You're right, 2019, actually. That's right. It was, it was the fall of 2018. So everybody know uh, to understand, we've talked about this at some time, but um, working with uh, Demetrius and Fig and Matt Cully, and you were involved, obviously, in consulting on this whole thing, we'd come up with a plan to uh, get our message, which is the whole truth about vaping, which is like all the science in, in, in very tight, short, easy bites uh, into professional 30-second television spots and get it running on CNN. And yeah. we went through a process where we brought in a major supporter. It was a huge name in the, in the business. And they funded uh, us getting it all the way up to the point where it was about to like have to pull the trigger. And the trigger didn't get pulled, which was too bad. And we had to cancel media, about a million dollars worth of TV media, that would have ran in February of 2019. And the program would have put us in a position where when a valley hit, we would have already been out there with the whole truth and we could have like run the program again, just bought another series of ads and, yeah. and been in market counter programming against Evali. Yeah. Well, uh, like when, when Evali hit, you, uh, you had uh, Greece. I mean, Greece got Dr. Farsalinos on the TV right away, right? There were, there were uh, you know, I, I, from what I understand, there was mainstream media, you know, counteracting what Evali was talking about in the UK as well, because UK, we know they're very, very supportive of vaping, yep. right? So, you know, you had that going on in Greece, you had that going on in the UK, and what happened in the US? Just It was just a disaster. Just a disaster from the CDC, which we'll talk about later, because they are now, to me, the ZDC, okay? What's the Z stand for? Zero. <laughs> Zero disease control. Right. Zero. Yeah. So the yeah, CDC, I, I mean, the CDC to me is the heart of of evil now. I mean, I, I just, I, I consider them that nothing that comes out of their mouth can be trusted. Nothing. No, I, I was just, saw something the other day. Now they're saying that, well, it doesn't live on surfaces as much as we thought it did. We're talking about COVID, right? 
Uh, and now, you know, the, the masks uh, are going to help you. And, and now we, we think that it's uh, it lives in the air for three hours. You know, look, I, I know Trump is a really negative point in people's minds right now. And I know people just love to blame him for everything. But why there isn't an outcry? Right. People screaming and blaming what happened in the United States with the CDC is, is beyond me is be I have I can't figure that out for the life of me why he's kind of getting the blame. And the, and the, the group, the organization that's designed to prevent this from happening, there's no heat on them. I don't get it. So to for all of our audience, you know, we haven't really programmed in a bunch of COVID conversation here today, but, you know, it's <laughs> going to happen. Uh, and I don't imagine that we aren't going to be able to talk about the riots either. And the thing is, is that this is all public health, uh, even including the riots we're going to talk about, um, because I do think it's a must. And, you know, vaping, vaping's biggest enemy in the United States of America is public health. And... If you aren't willing to look at the other things that public health are interacting with and see if they are what and and test the veracity of their statements there, because we know the veracity of their statements when it comes to vaping. It's I mean, it's just all just garbage that comes out. So, um, okay, so let's walk through this. So you mentioned that one minute the masks are good. One minute the masks are bad. Next minute you have to wear masks. Now you don't. And then now you do. And you're bouncing around. And I mean, yeah. this is something that's pretty important, and not only that, but pretty basic. So you would think that the world's preeminent, preeminent public health organization charged with protecting the public from infectious disease would have a pretty much down pat answer on whether or not a face mask is good or bad to use during a pandemic. So for them to right. not have an answer for that, um, I mean, that in and of itself means they should all be fired. And then to go back and yeah. forth like they did, is insane. Then the surfaces. Two weeks ago, the CDC came out and said that, yeah. well, oops, it looks like the coronavirus cannot be transmitted very easily on surfaces at all. And so that was the fundamental reason why you're washing your hands 15 times a day. Yeah. That's why you're worried about yeah. touching the keypads and doorknobs. Yeah. Not to mention that my, my parents are like showering with their groceries, okay? I mean, you know, that too is just going on. <laughs> so let me walk you through today, Phil. You may, yeah. might not have got the news today. This oh, is terrific. the news you today. Know, I'll be, I'm going to be honest with you, Brent. There are days where I cannot watch the news. Oh, it, it, I, I have too much anxiety from it. Right? <laughs> I, re I really do. I really do. All right, so go ahead. Well, this, me, well this, this, this is deserving anxiety deserving. All right. Terrific. So today the World Health Organization came out and said asymptomatic spread of coronavirus is very rare. Are now, you, you have to keep in mind with this is that over the course of this entire time, research from France, research from Italy, research from China, research from the U.S., never has it ever been contested. I've never seen any other number that says that the 80% of people who contract coronavirus are asymptomatic. That has not been, they have not, they don't mention in here because that's, right. you know, would be bad to remind people of, but 80% of the people who contract coronavirus are asymptomatic, which means that they don't even know they have the disease. Yeah. So think about that. If you have the flu and the one, and just as an example, say you have the flu and the one example of having the, having the flu is throwing up. So if you don't throw up, you don't know you have the flu. 
And right. that also means that you're not experiencing any pain or any of the bad side effects. Like if you sure. have a bad side effect, that's a symptom. So sure. if 80% of the people who've contracted coronavirus don't even know they have the disease, right? That means, wow, pretty good. But everybody's been saying, yeah, but it's those people that don't know that they have it. When they're out in the wild, they're spreading it everywhere. That's why we have to lock everybody down, right? right. So this is now the who. Coronavirus, excuse me, coronavirus <laughs> patients without symptoms aren't driving the spread of the virus. So doesn't that tell you that the lockdowns are unnecessary? I mean, isn't that what they're saying right there? Kind of, right? Because well, I mean, if you know you, you have- make your own decision on that. Yeah, World Health yeah. Organization officials, World Health Organization officials said Monday, casting doubt on concerns by some researchers that the disease could be difficult to contain due to asymptomatic infections. Well, yeah, some researchers, I mean, they're, they're conflicting, their, they're contradicting their own uh, statements. Some people, particularly young and otherwise healthy individuals who are infected by the coronavirus, never develop symptoms or only develop mild symptoms. Others might not develop symptoms until days after they were actually infected. Preliminary evidence from the earliest outbreaks indicated that the virus could spread from person-to-person -person contact, even if the carrier didn't have symptoms. But who officials now say that while asymptomatic spread can occur, it is not the main way it's being transmitted. Quote, from the data we have, it still seems to be rare that an asymptomatic person actually transmits onward to a secondary individual, a doctor from WHO, who's the head of the emerging, emerging diseases. She said at a news conference briefing, the United Nations Agency's headquarters in Geneva, she said, quote, it's very rare. It's government, very rare. Very rare. And I'll just get very let me rare. just get through the last of this. Government responses. Uh, but, but wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Well, there's more because government responses should focus on detecting and isolating infected people with symptoms. That's where our focus should be. And tracking mm -hmm. anyone who might have come into contact with them. She acknowledged that some studies have indicated asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic spread in nursing homes and household settings. Blah. Yeah, let's get down to the meat of this. More research and data are needed to truly answer. How much do we hear that from, you know what? Oh, you know, we'll, vaping, we'll vaping, vaping could uh, cause we'll brain damage. Yeah, 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 we'll, we'll, you know. we'll get to that. Yeah. Right, exactly. So here's the last quote I need to read from her. We have a number of reports from countries who are doing very detailed contact tracing, she said. They're following asymptomatic cases. They're following contacts. And they're not finding secondary transmission onward. It's very rare. Very rare. So, so in other words, let's paraphrase this. Uh, if you're sick, stay home. If you came into contact with somebody who's sick, stay home. Everybody else, you can go out and be normal. And by the way, world economy is saved. Yeah. 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 You know, everything from the forecasts of 2 million dead Americans down to the masks, down to it spreads on surfaces, down to you can transmit it from person to person if you've got it and don't know you have it. You know, I mean, I, I look. It's still, it's still a terrible thing. There's still a lot of people that that are that are dying, uh, but I, I still think that it could have it could have been handled differently. Uh, and you know, we we could have protected people and kept the economy rolling. But that's just you know, that's just a personal opinion. You know, and you you kind of led into something that we had talked about before. 
uh, where this may and might and could and maybe could. I don't how how is this becoming news these days? And uh, so I had told you that, you know, I listen to I tell Google to tell me the news every morning and, and then I ask it to tell me the news on vaping. And uh, there was this news article that came through, and it went. I'm going to paraphrase it, right? It went something like this. It went something like this. It said, um, we believe that um, vaping could spread COVID. You know, it, it may happen. So there's, that's the way it starts. And then it ends with more data and research is needed to prove this. How is that even a news story at that point? All that does is is brings fear into people unnecessarily without any data, without any data. That's like me telling you, right, that I believe, people start to believe that there are flying blue elephants somewhere, maybe. Now, I got to do more research to prove that data. Right. But there, there's the news story. Go ahead and run with it. Run with it. I, I don't understand what's going on anymore, Brent. I really don't. Yeah. And it starts, uh, uh, it starts with the researchers sometimes too, as well, because you know, their actual, the actual press releases that go out, you know, can, you know, are pretty strong. And then they put the caveat somewhere deep down. It's even worse to the, to the extent where the researcher will say in the press release, you know, We'll say, hey, you know, we don't have enough studies and this and that, but this is what we think. And then when the researcher is interviewed, they're like, they go straight overboard and they're like, oh, yeah, man, vaping's bad. And you're just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, even when it's uh, when it's not bad, the CDC is the perfect example. Like when when Ivali started and I still hate calling it a volley, but uh, when when that started, it was it was just vaping. Vaping was bad. Vaping was bad. Vaping is killing people. Vaping is killing people, right? And that was so loud, and it was so it was so in the news, and it was so in mainstream media, and all that all that messaging coming out of CDC. And when they proved what we knew all the while that it was illicit THC cartridges that were cut with vitamin E acetate, so it was drug dealers trying to get more money out of their product. That's what it was. That's what it was, right? That's what it That's was. That's what it was. Okay, and. Uh, where was that in the news? Why was that not all over the news just as loud as when vaping was killing people? I've got uh, just some shots up here of outbreak of lung injury associated with e-cigarettes user vaping. That was right at the very start. Um, this is the CDC stuff. I'll yep. just let this play for a little bit. It's one of my favorite, you know, sets of videos. I mean, it's beyond it's beyond belief just, you know, to to use a very grotesque term, I guess it is evening time and we are on YouTube. So, I mean, the media have a hard on for vaping in terms of, you know, <laughs> killing it. They're, they really do. I mean, media, uh, media, um, CDC, public health, they, they all have a hard on for vaping. And I don't know. I don't know if it's because it looks like cigarettes, if, it be, if it's because it's taking tax revenues away from uh, cigarette sales, if it's taking monies away from big pharma uh, or if it's all of the above uh, because I can't I can't imagine I can't believe that this is all about the children that we got to save and protect the children mm -hmm. yeah right, the children we, I mean that's... we can talk about that for a while too yeah well what do you think about that why why are you suspect with regards to it being about the children well I mean you okay so 
I don't know if you have the the slides ready to go with the ice pops. I do. Um, good, because look, if we have laws in the United States that say you cannot have an alcoholic beverage until you're 21 years old, this what you see on the screen is is allowed, right? This is okay. I I can't I can't imagine how this is okay because this to me is just as bad if not worse marketing to children than anything I've ever seen from vaping. I mean, they look like frozen puff bars. And look, hey, look at, at this ad. Oh, look at that, right? So, and you know what? This it should be okay. It should be okay because once again, we have a legal drinking age, right? Well, now we have a legal smoking age or vaping age. It's called tobacco 21. It's called T21. And this has been my argument for, for a while now. If we have tobacco 21 in place, if we have T21 in place, which tells teens, tells, tells the younger generation that it is illegal for you to have or purchase a vape product or a tobacco product or a cigarette or anything, right? Then why are flavors not allowed? Why are flavors being banned? Who does the ban affect? It doesn't affect the kids because we already have T21 in place, right? Yes. So who does it affect? It affects the adults. It affects the adults. And you know, as we as we take away, as we take away these flavors and these choices for adults to remain on vaping, to remain excited about vaping. Because I always said that like tobacco flavors are really good for conversion, right? But flavors are good for sustainability to keep you interested in vaping. That makes sense. Right? Yes. So you know, as, as if, you, if you're taking the flavors away, because here's another thing that, that drives me crazy, is that there are concerns, but there's been no proof about the gateway effect. Right, that they're they're concerned that well, vaping is going to lead children to cigarettes, right? If the only thing, because look, kids are going to experiment. We know this, right? Because I don't believe, I truly don't believe that that kids are using these products for flavors. I think they're using them for the buzz or the head pop that they get from them. Okay, the high the high nicotine uh, salt liquids. But if the if the only thing that's available for them to experiment with tastes like a cigarette, isn't that going to lead to the gateway effect even more? Aren't we training the next generation to like the taste of tobacco? And as we're doing that, as we're doing that, as we have told people all of their lives, this is what I've heard, smoking is bad for you, you should quit. Smoking is bad for you, you should quit. Smoking is bad for you, it's gonna kill you, you should quit. I found something, I found something that works right there. There it is. Everything else I tried, all the normal cessation products I've tried, haven't worked. This did. This did. Now what you're telling me, now what you're telling me, after all this work for me to get off of cigarettes, you're telling me that I got to go back to the very same flavor that you told me to get away from. You're forcing me back to that flavor. It's insane what's going on. It is absolutely insane what's going on. I just don't understand it, Brian. So you're close to obviously the consumer. I mean, if when you're doing reviews, obviously you're that's your audience. 
um, and you have a lot of touch points with vapors from conventions and all, all that kind of stuff. What's your sense of them in terms of why they think it's happening? Well, like, what are they telling you? What are you hearing in terms of the frustrations from the average vapor? The, the, the one thing that's been breaking my heart recently is, uh, you know, because I have a lot of friends in New York. I mean, I, I, that's where I was before I was in Florida. I was in Rochester, New York. I've got personal friends who vape, right, coming to me saying, where do I get my flavors? Where do I get my fruit flavors? They're, they're real, they really took them out of the store. They really took my flavors away. Oh, my God. They, I really can't get the product. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's like they don't believe it until, like, it really happens. And I always said that. I always said that. I mean, this, years ago, years ago when I used to give talks at vape shows, I said everybody's going to be complacent. Everybody's going to be okay. And everybody's going to, you know, not get involved with advocacy or anything. And then they're going to take it all away from you. And when they take it all away from you, you're going to stomp your feet and you're going to say, how do I stop this? You can't now, right? And but but I mean, th there's like what I call the innocence, right? Just the people who they're not involved in advocacy. They don't go watch YouTube videos. They're not on Facebook all about vaping, vaping, vaping. They don't know what tasteyourjuice.com or Pibasardo. They don't know any of that. All they know is that they don't smoke any more because of some peach flavor or because of some watermelon flavor. Or because of some 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 bakery flavor. That, that's all they know. That's all they care about. And all of a sudden, they can't get that anymore. Well, there it Adults. is. There is no doubt that flavor is important. I mean, it, of course, it, of I'm course very it's, finicky it's proven. about the flavor. It's proven. It's proven time and time again. It's proven, Brent. So, all right, let's talk about what kind of a disaster happens here. So, I mean, there's been there's been three, you know, definitive, you know, things that have happened. In the last 18 months, there was the epidemic of teen vaping, which almost, you know, still is actually, you know, killing vaping. Um, then you've got the vaping related lung illness that our comrades at the CDC um, titled Evali when they needed to turn it into actually something uh, and they turned it into Evali. And then even my mom, like the day or two after CDC came out with the valley and my mom, I'm on the phone with her talking. She goes, hey, I heard they named the lung disease Evali. I'm like, oh. So, like, the only place she could have gotten that was from mainstream media up here in Canada. Unbelievable. I mean, See, I that's just... not what – actually, I got the phone call from my parents, too. I got the phone call from my parents and from my brother, right, because they were buying into what they were seeing in mainstream media. My mother, right, are you going to be okay vaping? Is that going to – it's not going to hurt you, is it? It's not going to – and I had explained to her what was going on. My brother – hey, is it safer for me to like to, to not to like go back to smoking at this point? I'm like, no, absolutely not. Stay on vaping, right? right. Um, because they, they, they drank the Kool-Aid. And, and, and I, can only, I can only imagine, I can only imagine how many people that did not have a, a P. Bissardo to call and calm down and say, you know, it's, it's okay, continue to vape. How many of those went back to smoking? I bet you there's a lot. Well, thank you for bringing that up. That happens to be the very next thing I've got here, Phil. This was out yesterday. Uh, call, call them regulations on vaping causing smokers to return to cigarettes. New data How's from that for Segway. Yeah, exactly. Great segue. <laughs> New data from tobacco company Altria reveals that older vapors are returning to their deadly cigarette habit. The switch follows a months-long media ambush driven by well-funded grassroots anti-vaping efforts. States began regulating retail e-cigarette outlets, often banning vape devices, making the products difficult to access. 
Older smokers who had switched to e-cigarettes are turning back to traditional cigarettes because of negative news coverage and regulatory crackdowns on vaping, Marlboro <sighs> maker Altria Group Inc. said. Quote, over the last several months, we've observed an increase in the number of age 50 and older smokers in the cigarette category, quote. CEO, an increase, right? And the CEO said that told investors on Altria's first quarter earnings conference call, quote, we believe these smokers had previously switched to e-vapor products, but recently returned to cigarettes due to negative publicity and regulatory and legislative developments in the e-vapor category. The new laws banning the sale of e-cigarette products went into effect a few weeks ago in New York State. While consumers can still use vape products legally, it is illegal for stores to sell them. And you can walk mm -hmm. into any gas station in New York State and you can get yourself a pack of Newports, Campbell's, uh, or Marlboro's, but you can't get your favorite vape flavor today. So that's the, the crux of it. There's, the, there's Big Tobacco saying, hey, if you're over 50, you know, come back, baby. Come back. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I've said um, for a long time that, you know, vaping is something that it was grassroots, right? We created it. Um, you know, guys like me, Dimitri, Nick Grim Green, Scott, I get you 69, the guys who have been doing this for, for a long time, Grim, even before me. Um, it's like it's like almost like I feel like it's, it's, a, it's my child. Right. And I'm unable to see my child live up to its full potential, if that makes sense. Yes. Right. Um, because I know what my child is capable of. My child is capable of curing cancer for, th for hundreds of thousands of people. And you're not going to let my child live up to its, um, its potential. So, you know, that, that really disgusts me. And it disgusts me that we've built this industry um, via, via um, you know, forums and, and Facebook groups and YouTube groups. And we, we've created this, this thing and then, you know, here comes Big Tobacco and, you know, putting their products in there. Let me tell you something. If there, if there was no vapor industry that was created by us, I truly believe that Big Tobacco would not have vapor products right now. I truly believe that. You know, and if they believed in their vapor products so much, if they truly cared, if they truly cared about tobacco harm reduction, then they would have their, their vapor products and they wouldn't have cigarettes. Let me ask you this. You just mentioned tobacco harm reduction. Yeah. In all of our interviews that we've been doing with public health now over the last you know, four and a half years, to this day, they, there's many, many of them will just throw their hands up and say, look, you know, there's a huge chunk of us that just will not accept you know, tobacco harm reduction as a viable, uh, you know, as viable for, for cigarettes and vaping. They just don't get it. They don't get it. Yeah, the or, or, it's retor or there's something dogmatic about it. And so why do you think it is that there's this huge chunk of people in public health that will not accept vaping as a tool for harm reduction? Well, could it be that public health has a lot to lose if people stop dying of smoking-related illness? You know, Brent, nothing would surprise me at this point. Nothing. I was never a conspiracy theorist, right? I never believed in, you know, those stories that are being told at the water fountain. I never bought into any of that. Being in this industry has made me look at things way, way different, way, way different. Mm. So, I mean, public health, they want their jobs. They want their income. They want their revenue. Their income, their jobs, their revenue kind of depend on people being sick, right? 
Yeah. And and you, you think about it. Think about this. If I can go like that and wipe out cancer, cancer's gone. Cancer is gone. Right. Boom. Or maybe even with this. Boom. Look. Boom. Cancer's gone. Right. That's a fantastic thing. And it would also crush our economy. Hospitals closed. Jobs lost. You, you know, uh, um, uh, business is gone. Think about that. Think about if we were to just, just by the snap of a finger cure cancer. Think about the economic impact that that would have. It would be crushing, right? So you gotta wonder. You gotta wonder. Like even with like you got the American Cancer Society, American Cancer Society. As far as I know, compared to a cigarette. There's like an infinitesimal amount of carcinogens in this product. Mm. And yet we can't get, why is the American Cancer Society not on a podium somewhere singing zippity doodah about vaping products? Why? Why is that? So, I mean, what, what do you, like, is, does the American Cancer Society, is, is, is it the Cancer Society because you want to keep cancer around so that you continue to have jobs? Or is it, is it the Cancer Society because you want to truly get rid of it? Because if you want to truly get rid of it, uh, here's a solution for hundreds of thousands of smokers out there who, who, who just can't get off of cigarettes using the standard cessation products, the standard FDA-approved cessation products. So yeah, it's frustrating, Brent. You know, I, 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 I hear I've, been, I've been harboring a lot of anger just for your show. I hope you appreciate it. <laughs> oh, no, very much so. I mean, uh, honestly, I mean, the amount of ranting that we did during the, you know, the main part of the COVID lockdown certainly pissed off a lot of our viewers, but we had to do it. We had to get our opinion out while it was happening. And I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, we had John Glauser on. Um, he does some analysis for us, as well as being, you know, obviously uh, the CEO of Demand Vape, which is our top, Vape, yep. you know, top mm -hmm. supporter. But we have him on from time to time just to be John Glauser and, and to provide some analysis. And he joined me on the very first day of the lockdown, March 14th. And the things that we predicted in that episode have come to pass um, completely. I mean, really? you know, and it's, we don't want to be right about these things. But here we are yeah. finding out now that, you, that the 80% of people who have it, are it's very rare for them to even transmit it. It's just, it's just sickening because... Yeah. The catastrophe is not the virus, it was the response. And yeah. I think that the visceral reaction that I and others like John and maybe you, and maybe you can speak to this in a second, if you didn't have that visceral reaction the moment that the, that the totalitarian lockdown dropped on you, then you're not gonna ever fully understand where we were. We were, we saw the horror and it had nothing to do with the virus. And so now, I mean, we're, we're still not that day. I said, you know, I'm not even worried so much about the, the economics in the end because those will sort itself out. I mean, obviously it's horrible, but a lockdown like this and the chaos that gets created, the opportunity for bad actors to then get involved is huge. We're talking world war style here. And I said, you know, Antifa and Black Lives Matter are not going to sit this out. And they sure in the heck didn't. And so I'm with you on the anger yeah. part. I've got, I've got a lot of it, but you know, let's, let's, let's step away because I do have uh, an interesting answer to your question about why. And yeah. it's, um, 
It's one that I've not yet shared with our audience, and I can say that it's not even fully developed yet. It's really new. So let me just kind of ask a couple questions just so we can set it up. But um, yes or no, that public health has been demonizing smokers for decades. Yes. So yes or no, as a part of the demonization of smokers has been the demonization of tobacco companies. Yes. So it's a chicken and the egg. Which one happens first? Is it the demonization of big tobacco first? And thus then the demonization of the smoker and then the vapor comes around and that demonization just flows down like water. So I don't know how much of the demonization of vaping is related solely to say vaping. I believe in a, in a way that, okay, so I'm going to try, I'm trying to do this without being political, but it's hard for me not to. So, you know, trigger warning. You, you not be political. I know. I know. know, know. Interesting. Okay. Trigger, trigger warning. I'm about to use the word progressives. So progressives want to socially engineer a better man. They want to create a utopia on earth. And this is what public health does. They are a fundamental part of it. I believe that um, they damned uh, big tobacco, much like, as we know, they damn you if you say mispronoun somebody. You can get, you can just mispronoun somebody on Twitter and your life is over. You get oh fired. Oh my God, I know. Right? Yeah. You know, you, we, how many, there's just too much to, you know, to go through. It's just clearly yeah. that as an ideology, the herd, the group, they, they damn you and you are gone, done, you're erased. There is no redemption. Now, the left loves the concept of redeeming criminals. If you're in jail, we can rehabilitate you. If you're a murderer, we can rehabilitate you. Let's let, open the doors and let them all out because we can rehabilit- rehabilitate them. They seem to be able to rehabilitate a ton of people except for those that they damned. If you're white conservative and you, you know, you're damned. If you are, you know, a cop, you're damned. If you are big tobacco, you are damned. And those they damn are irredeemable. And so if that's the case, vaping poses a threat because it threatens to redeem big tobacco. Because if big tobacco were to embrace the technology, they could actually redeem themselves by moving all their business or much of it or whatever over to vaping. They see it as a threat to, from a, as a redemption issue. They're not prepared to redeem big tobacco. It would mean giving up their biggest, their biggest catch. Does that make yeah. some sense? It does. Um, and it's a really interesting perspective. Um, you know, and, and, and again, it's one of the reasons why I don't like to see big tobacco playing in our sandbox. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, 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 there, it's like, then we get, we get grouped with them. I don't want to be grouped with them. I want to be grouped with the, the grassroots, um, movement that was vaping that we created. I don't want to be, I don't want to, we are not big tobacco. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's great because I mean, if you truly believe in harm reduction, whether that harm reduction comes from me or whether it comes from big tobacco, I mean, that's still a good thing. Somebody's not going to die. Right. That's a good thing. But I hate being grouped in with the person that's not only selling you, you know, the, the vape product, but here's the cigarette too. Right. We don't have the cigarette too. We don't. Our, 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 our industry never had the cigarette, too. They do. I don't want to be grouped with them. 
And and I agree entirely. It's just that public health has never been able to separate them. The activist yeah. groups have never been able to separate them from day one. Well, you know, in reality, public health has never been able to separate nicotine from smoking, right? True. Yeah, nicotine it, has it, been it, damned in the exact same way. So if you look at heroin, exactly if you look at heroin, they've never damned heroin in the way that they've damned nicotine, and mm -hmm. and that a huge part of that is because one of their protected classes is a heroin user, like you know the 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 homeless drug addicted heroin user, right? They don't they don't uh, have any care for the fifty thousand people in the U.S. that died last year of fentanyl overdoses. They don't care about that because the people no. that were dying are not a part of their protected classes. But the people who use heroin are. Yeah, yeah, um, huh. yeah. It's it's all frustrating, you know. Lately, um, I'm really kind of disgusted with, um, you know, the 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 split and the divide that we see, you know, in the country. Um, and I think it's just being perpetuated by mainstream media. It's being perpetuated by our own government. I think both sides are being children. Um, I I think both, you know, I I don't even like to. I don't even like to classify myself as left or right, Democratic, Republican. I, I don't want that anymore. I don't think it works anymore. Because once you say you're something, you're grouped in with everything that that group is supposed to believe in, right? I don't want to, like, I'm almost wondering if if an independent wouldn't be a, a, a better choice at this point. Um, it's, it's really disgusting what's going on. Um, I, very sad. I'm very sad about it, what's happening. How's the how's it been in your area with regards to the riots and stuff like that? Um, there were some peaceful protests in uh, the Fort Myers area and the Tampa area. I think there was something in the Miami area. Um, as far as I know, that that's about it. That's about it. So again, just keeping making sure that everybody understands the reason why we're talking about this stuff is because it's from public health, public health um, in COVID, public health and the riots. That's what I'm gonna to get to here in a second, and public health and vaping. Public health is the biggest enemy of vaping, and so we must look at what they're doing elsewhere. Completely, 100%. So now, this uh, came out last week on June 5th. Over 1,000 health professionals sign a letter saying don't shut down protests using co coronavirus concerns as an excuse. So then if you look through the list, I mean, it's NYU, it's Harvard, it's Yale Public Health, Boston University School of Public Health. I mean, these are the schools of public health in the U.S. that are training, that have trained public health and are still training public health. A group of health and medical colleagues has penned an open letter to express their concern that protests around the United States could be shut down under the guise of coronavirus health concerns. A week ago, they're arresting people for social distance, not following social distancing. A week later, they're going, it doesn't matter because the race issues are more important than coronavirus. The letter which went, which went on to draw more than 1,200 signatures focuses on techniques to reduce harm to people protesting racial injustice. Quote, we created the letter in response to emerging narratives that seem to malign demonstrations as risky for the public health because of COVID-19. According to the letter's writers, many of whom are part of the University of Washington's Division of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. That's Fauci. Quote, instead, we wanted to present a narrative that, by the way, when anybody uses a narrative, that's postmodernism, and they're lying through their teeth. The narrative is, is not truth. It's a story. I mean, it's, 
Instead, we wanted to present a narrative that prioritizes opposition to racism as vital to the public health, including the epidemic response. We believe that the way forward is not to suppress protests in the name of public health, but to respond to protesters' demands in the name of public health, thereby addressing multiple public health crises. Uh, it's like, it's just, it's typical communist crap. <laughs> this is the, yeah. this is it. Yeah. If you're going to find where communist, you know, grows, you know, like fungus, it's going to be from public health um, yeah. inside. So, I mean, this is crazy. So they're saying that racist, systemic racism is a public health concern, and it's a public health concern that is bigger and larger than coronavirus. Yeah, you know that, that's a that's a really it's a really touchy subject. It's a tricky thing to talk about. Um, uh, you know, I think I think what's going on in the country right now is 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 kind of important. Um, and there years ago, you know, I might have looked at some of. Uh, and you may not agree with this, uh, Brent, but I, I would have looked at some of this violence and I would have said, you know, look, I understand the peaceful protests, but I don't understand the violence and I don't understand like, you know, um, I don't understand that side of it. Right. Um, but you know what now? Because we, because you're, you're saying, well, we're talking about this because of vaping and public health. Right. I'm talking about this for a different reason. Uh, I'm talking about because now I kind of understand it. I get it. On a very, very small level, you know, extremely small level, don't take what I'm saying the wrong way, but on a small level, I understand the anger and the frustration now, right? Because when you do things the right way and when you play by the rules and you follow the rule book, where does it get you? It gets you a, uh, I was going to curse, it gets you a flavor ban in New York and it gets you a flavor ban in New Jersey and it gets you a flavor ban here and there and everywhere, you know? So, now I kind of get it because you get so angry and you get so frustrated that you're like, what, what else, what else, what more can I give? What more can I do? You, legally, what more can I do? You know, I mean, you, you're driving me to the point where I'm going to lose my cool. Right. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. So maybe yesterday I would not have understood it. Today I do now. Well, fair enough. Um, I mean, I think this discussion could be had and you don't even need to touch race uh, as an oh, issue. Yeah. If you yeah. want to take, I mean, so we've titled this show today, Mind-Bending Hypocrisy. This is the mind-bending hypocrisy beyond all hypocrisies because, <laughs> because um, the force that was used to lock down a billion people and the subsequent propaganda that went with it, the $6 trillion in debt that, you know, is dropped on us, um, and the destruction of people's businesses and lives, and the loss of life that comes from that, either the coronavirus was serious enough for that action, or it wasn't. And we've learned that it wasn't. So, and this happened last week, so this is before I could say definitively that WHO completely, totally, you know, botched this, you know, and sold it, you know, you know, you know, shoved us up a river, down the river. By the, by the way, I don't know, you know, I like I call CDC, ZDC, zero disease control. Uh, Dimitri now calls who? Uh, the World Harm Organization. I yeah. Should, yeah. Yeah, totally. So, <laughs> I mean, regardless of, of, of the issue in which whether or not there's a valid reason for 
people to be looting and stuff, I think the protests are 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 fine. Let's let's just leave the looting out. If the pro either coronavirus is a deadly threat and there must be social distancing and you can't be out in groups and we still don't have all the businesses open yet and so forth and so forth and so on, either it is or it isn't. So right. for for public health to completely go like it like they're basically saying don't believe us ever again, I guess. I mean, how can you believe them? It has nothing to do with the race issue. It has everything to do with we're supposed to be able to trust public health. And the yeah. force in which they used to destroy the economy, steal people's liberty, and lock them into the houses, they are not using anywhere near that same level of force to, against the, these people who are out. Yeah. So, and, um, so what it you, says is it's, it's two different kinds of justices. And so, uh, you know, somebody who's protesting, right, a person of color is going to laugh and go, yeah, Whitey, well, that's what we've been talking about for years. There's two different kinds of justices. So you yeah. could laugh and say, well, all you people out there that are complaining about this, you know, now you're experiencing the kind of justice that we've been experiencing forever. Yeah, the other thing, too, uh, Brent, like, what can they really do? What can they really do, right? Um, I, you know, I've heard public health say we're concerned you know, with the protests, uh, but what are you going to do? You you can't you can't shut them down. Um, it's it's just going to inflame you know the situation. So it, it's it almost like it just it, it just needs to run its course. The message needs to be heard. The changes need need to be made. Um, but really, public health stepping in and using what they did to create the economic crisis, you know. Um, that's just going to inflame things, and 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 nothing would get accomplished. Well, but, but I, I understand. But I understand the double standard too. I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking about the entire world's economy here. I mean, this isn't just an issue. This is an issue that affects all the protesters too. They have to work inside this economy. If I mean, if everything falls apart, they're not going to get better justice than they've been getting. Everybody gets worse justice. I mean, that's what leveling does. Leveling doesn't ever lift anybody up. It always crushes. And so we'll all end up in in with less justice. And Could you know, very well be. Vapors want justice. And and so you've got to see who we're asking for justice from. And you know, public health didn't need to come out with this letter, right? But doing it is, you know, it's it's virtue signaling beyond, you know, at the highest levels, you know, excusing away, you know, and obviously clearly, there's they know that coronavirus when they wrote this letter is not as deadly as they're saying otherwise they would have to they would have to continue along because if bodies start dropping in two weeks because of the protests it will look really bad for public health so they must have they must have forecasted that that is indeed not going to happen well so say that again if bodies start dropping you're right. talking They're about public health and they've been forecasting all of these deaths that's what shut down the entire western right. world right so here we are um, saying, no, these protests are much more important than uh, social distancing for coronavirus. So they must have information and understanding and knowledge that says coronavirus is not as transmittable or not as deadly or whatever. Because if right. anybody covers their ass more than there's nobody more than public health. So right. they would they would not come out with this letter unless they were pretty certain that in two weeks from now, there wouldn't be tens of thousands of new coronavirus deaths. Right. Well, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think public health looks bad either way. 
either way, right? I mean, you know, God forbid people start start dropping because of um, you know because of the protests and because the, the the social distancing social distancing isn't happening or states are opening back up, right? If that if that you know causes more deaths, then that kind of makes public health you know look bad because they did not enforce what they've been saying. Now, in the same sense. If all of these protests and the states opening up doesn't add to the numbers, that makes public health look bad too, because now, based on their recommendations, we don't have the economy that we had before. So I think they're they're going to look bad either way. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty hard. I mean, I, I mean, I've had huge respect for public health. I mean for a long time and I've been spending a lot of time trying to really understand the way some of them think. So in order to maybe try to find some way to bridge that gap with regards oh, to you, you know, It's interesting that you say that you had, you had respect for public health. See, like I, I was that way with the CDC, right? Those three letters, when I would hear those three letters, it was like, oh yeah, those, that's, that's that serious group that's going to protect us from you know, any disease, like, you know, they're the ones that are going to get in there and they're, they're going to stop it and it's not going to happen. Right. That, that was what those three letters represented to me. Mm -hmm. They don't anymore. They mean nothing to me. They mean the exact opposite. They didn't do their jobs. They didn't pass out the right information. They didn't pass out the right information with vaping. They didn't really do it with coronavirus. It took them too long. They dragged their feet with, with a volley and telling the truth about that. They're dragging their feet with this too. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, th that's sure. where the public outcry should be. That's where the, that's, you know, th th again, kind of like what I said at the ever very beginning, the fact that that organization isn't taken to task is mind mind bending. Well, it's pretty hard because that uh, the CDC has been um, revered. Uh, I think most people don't know this and, and I'll, my numbers, I'm just drawing from memory here, but they're pretty darn close. The CDC is responsible for setting up the CDC in over 60 countries. So not only is the CDC the CDC, but for instance, in 1983, the CDC, the U.S. CDC, uh, set up China's Center for Disease Control and, the, and 59 other countries. So their, their tentacles are, are right there. They, they set yeah. up all the protocols, everything. So right. all the countries look back to the CDC, not the WHO. The WHO is set up by the CDC. So the CDC in, in, in Atlanta is really in charge here. And if, and if they've got um, ideological blinders on, it's going to hurt the whole world. And I, and I do believe that that is the case. I mean, for one, we still don't know how many people were infected. They didn't have the tests. They didn't do randomized testing for weeks from the president on down. We're just going, you've got, you're the CDC, pick 20 cities, send, send some surveyors to 20 cities, get a thousand samples from, you know, in 20 cities and then boom, we'll know, we can then randomize it, use your models and we can know how many people have it. They didn't want to sure. know because it would, because that would have been the denominator in which it would have, you know, crushed the mortality rate down and they right, wanted that right. number up at like two and three to convince right. people that it was going to be millions dead they yeah. did not do randomized testing and they yeah. still haven't done randomized testing and then they set the tests out and the tests were spoiled and wrong eventually they started doing the tests and as we learned two weeks ago the cdc 
took the antibody test and the other test and they put the results together and mixed them. And then they can, this was just two weeks ago. All of the testing that the CDC has done, they purposefully mixed the two different kinds of test results, making them completely unusable. Hmm. Where's mainstream media going nuts over that? They're not. I mean, this, I mean, this is fact. Yeah. So they're, they clearly don't want to do any testing. What people also don't know about the CDC is that you can go back through other epidemics throughout the last 20, 30 years, including AIDS, and CDC's in charge of those stats. You look, you'll find that almost in every single case, they didn't have stats as the epidemic was going. And then after the epidemic was done, it took them like two years of political wrangling and coming out with the stats. And then, and then there'd be interest groups from, you know, their interest groups, you know, thought of this, and then they would advise the stats. I mean, it's complete. I mean, I don't know where a CDC stat is, is, is good. I had Dr. Brad Rodu on two months ago because I don't trust the smoking stats. This was before COVID, a week before COVID. I had Dr. Rodu on and I'm going to say, I don't trust the CDC stats on, on smoking. It stays the same. 480,000 people are going to die this year because of smoking. Every year it's the same. Every year it's the same. And he tells me and told our audience that those stats, the CDC doesn't even have access to the data. The data all comes from a data set from 1983 that the Cancer Society provides each year. Interesting. So, interesting. I mean, it's. I mean, this yeah, is a, I, this is not conspiracy theory. It's just you know looking at what's going on. The stats, it's just facts, it's data, right? Yeah, the stats uh, you know, are not right. I, I certainly hope you know this. This taught you know people something that you know CDC is is not to be trusted. And maybe this will, in some way, shape, or form, carry forward as as we move out of, you know, the COVID nineteen, as we move out of uh, the situation that we're in right now, um, and people realize that this organization, public health, is is not to be revered uh, as much as we think it should be. Right? We need some independent um, thinkers out there. Uh, giving us the truth and at giving opposing views, uh, but I, you know what? I don't think that's ever going to happen it, because it's all controlled by by mainstream media, uh, and they have an agenda, and they're going to follow their agenda, right? I mean, it, right down to right down to a television show um, that that I really liked. I, I had talked to you about it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, somebody told me about this show. And they said, oh, you're not going to like it because they're really anti-vaping. and But it looked really interesting, right? So um, I checked it out on Amazon, and it's called Upload. And it's like I, I have a love-hate relationship with this show. I absolutely love this show, but they are so anti-vaping on this show. It, it drives me crazy. Again, like, you, why isn't there... Um, some some public outcry about about what they're look. They have a vape ward. They have a vape ward. So the whole thing is one of the one of the main characters. Okay, uh, is dying of a vape lung. Okay, not a volley, not a volley, of vape lung. And basically, the way they describe it is that this person bought into what we were saying today, which is vaping is safer than smoking. He bought into that, right? So therefore, he vaped. And come to find out in the future that vaping actually does do some harm. So now he's in this vape ward and he's dying of vape lung, right? 
Um, that's that's got to be paid placements. For, how else would that get there? <laughs> how else would that get there? Right. Um, and again, I hate I hate the fact that I like the show. I hate the <laughs> fact that I like the show. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. A vape ward is. Vape uh, I mean, that's just. Yeah, it is like well, right. It, there, so in the entertainment business, in the brand <laughs> business, and I was explaining this to you on our pre-interview call. So uh, one of the things that I did in between uh, taking a break on content production for a good, you know, eight eight or nine years was work directly for some of the biggest brands in the world, partnering them with entertainment properties. So. If you've right. seen Star Wars on a can of Pringles, that's my deal. I've done, you know, I've done Star Wars in 11 countries, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King in four. I've done Daytona 500, Super Bowl, so forth and so on. And when I first started doing that work in L.A. with this particular company, I started on 9-11. My very first day was 9-11. <laughs> so um, and it was a whole different media world back then. And what 9-11 did was was immediately chop like 60% of the ad purchases uh, across all broadcast and cable networks. It got canceled, of course. And um, so the, the studios were suffering, the networks were suffering, and for the first time, they were, became very open to integrating brands into their television shows. And more than just product placement, what we were really advocating um, and pioneering was what was called what's called organic placement. That's where the product or the issue is organically integrated into the narrative of the show, into a storyline. Um, so it's much better than seeing a can of Pringles on a Seinfeld counter. Um, the next right. best thing would be, say, if it's a Hoover placement, okay, that's fine for vacuum, but you want to see, you know, Rachel from Friends actually using the Hoover vacuum. Sure. If, if you're trying to do something like vaping anti-vaping you do it this way there's a vape ward the guy's got a vaping lung illness and you know and exactly that we thought it was safe and now look what happened i mean that's organic placement inside somebody paid for that it has to be right it's no different from from uh, like you said like an audi or, or an audi sitting there yeah if somebody walks by an audi there's a there's the audi got there somehow right it was paid yeah. uh and obviously this is this is just a paid Paid placement by some organization, right? That is interfering with my enjoyment of the television program. <laughs> well, I'm surprised you can still watch TV at all, Phil. I have to be honest with you, because it's uh, it's pretty bad. So, um, okay, so I'm just trying to I'm just trying to make sure that we handle uh, any of the deep dark stuff. You know, I I mean, I think we have. I mean, let me ask you this. Um, now, back in the day, when I last, when I first had you on the show, which I think, you know, that was the big time that I had you on, which was in 2016. It was in August of 2016. We talked through some issues. The episode was called Vape Apocalypse. And that mm -hmm. was, you know, the, the very first big scare, you know, the 2016 scare. I think August 8th or something like that was Vape Apocalypse. Yeah. And, um, and we did a, a web uh, interview with you uh, that we released. I think it was about Trump. What are your thoughts? I'm going to dig this up right now and see if we can find it. I think it's oh, short. Christ. So you can try to run it here right now. But for, Excuse me while I squirm. <laughs> yeah, for our friends out there, um, I mean, where are you at? Because, I mean, we've got a couple of political questions still left because politics is involved in, in, with vaping over the next six months. Do you, do you remember what I said if Trump won? Do you remember what I said? 
Well, we're going to play it. So if you want to give me a second, we can just wait till we play it. Well, oh, Christ. <laughs> I, I think I said that it would be the most interesting four-year reality TV show we've ever seen. Oh, I think you did say that. I think that. that's what I said. I think you did say that. You're really going to play it? Well, if I, if I can find it quickly here, I'll play it. Okay, but, good. Well, let's not find it. That, well, that, no, no, I'm pretty, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to find it quickly here. It's my, you know, okay. website's a little slow, but, you know, um, conspiracy theorists, right? You know, our website's getting hacked. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there we go. And there it is. Yes. Yeah, so the question was, here we go. Is Trump good for vaping? Hear what Phil Bassardo has to, has to think. Oh, good Lord. Let's see. What did I say? All right. Oh my God! You know, listen. I don't know who's gonna get in, um, but I, I will say this on the, the vote Trump idea: Should uh, Donald Trump get into office, it will be the most interesting four-year reality TV show we have ever <laughs> seen, ever. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, it, well, he can't. You know what? And that's kind of what what I like about him is that he's he's not presidential. He just says what's on his mind. In the meantime, these other guys are talking, and you don't really know what they're saying, right? At least with Trump, he just kind of, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd like to think that they would be. I like. Here's why. Because Trump is a businessman, right? He's a businessman, and he wants to bring jobs back to America. The vaping industry is creating jobs in America. Why would he not be behind it? And then if you add the science on top of it, and he would actually listen to the science, then maybe it could be beneficial to have him in there. And that was August 27th, 2016. So there you go. Well, it certainly has been the... Uh, by the way, I, I look uh, much better now than I did back then, don't I? Well, you look very um, good. And in fact, <laughs> let me just point out to you that your memory is excellent. Uh, oh, believe me, it's not. But I, I, I happen to remember that one thing. Um so, so what's the question now? Like, where am I today? Well, let me, it, now that we've played that, so that's, that's fine. Um, so just to set up, because, of course, his reelection campaign is starting. How much should vapors be engaged with Trump in the second round? I mean, does he deserve vapors' support? Is, is he the only option for support? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 uh, look. I, I don't know because you know what they say one thing they do another thing, yeah. right? I don't I don't know who to believe anymore. I honestly don't. Um, he, the the one thing that I I really thought I really thought that would that would he would help the industry help vaping. Okay, I'm just talking about vaping right now. Okay, um, where where he would help is that he wanted to get rid of regulation. Th that's where I thought he would help the most. Sure. Because I mean, you know, bans and 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 you know, getting rid of products and everything, it's all it's it's regulation. So I mean, if you're if you're for getting rid of regulation, taking government out of the way, then you should be for this. And again, I mean, I'll go back to the thing. Like, I, yeah, I know, I, I understand. He, even he said he's like, oh well, we got to protect the kids. We got to protect the kids. I understand that. I understand that. You do have to protect the kids, and you are. And it's called Tobacco Twenty One. Enforce it. Enforce it. And leave adults alone. Hmm. You know? I do um, agree. Because yeah. the, the, the whole thing... Look, I got this. Wait, look, I have this. 
I have this. See this? Mm-hmm. Right? So I went, um, you know, on, a, on, on whatever I could do, uh, the, the, few, the few that we had here in Florida, I was scheduled to, uh, to speak at the, um, uh, the Vape Alliance rally uh, in, in uh, Washington. Obviously, that got canceled because of COVID. That, that to me, is frustrating. Why? I support the effort. I support mm. the We Vape, We Vote effort. I'll support anything that could potentially help our industry. But when, when the conversation switched, when the conversation moved to jobs and votes, that pissed me off, right? I understand why we had to go there, but it pissed me off. And here's why it pissed me off, because that should not be the topic of conversation. The topic of conversation is, should be, is that we are going to save lives. This product can save lives. Damn it, that's the end of the story. That should be enough. If we can save lives with this product, that should be the end of the story. No more. No we vape, we vote. No loss of jobs. None of this. Right? If you truly cared about your American people, and if you cared about lives, and you want people to quit smoking, we have an alternative. We have something that is is at least 95% safer than smoking. Right? So why, why, why do we even have to go? We shouldn't have to go there. Because we can save lives, that so, should be enough. Just to be just to be clear, it the, it was the tying of the jobs in with the we vape we vote. It was to save the jobs, not save the lives. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah pretty. I'm, yeah, well, it, it just it, it became politics. It, it became about votes and voting people in and voting people out. You know, and I understand. I understand that direction. Right, I get it. I get that. That's what we have to do. Right. But we shouldn't have to do that. We shouldn't have to do that. It should just be, well, we can save lives with this product over over combustible tobacco cigarettes. End of story. So we've been we've gone into that, you know, vaping saves lives issue. And mm -hmm. we're kind of, you know, kind of pulling the bricks out from under it, not because of us, but because of what we're seeing. Right. So I always look at what's happening. When, what's the actions? And then I work back to try to figure out the why. And so when I see that public health are not supporting vaping as a tool for harm, harm reduction, when I see uh, public health not uh, believing that it saves lives, saying that it actually can kill you or hurt you or give you brain damage, you know, it makes COVID worse. I mean, all these things that clearly it does not save lives. In fact, it can hurt. So when public health's doing all that, when you go all, then I go all the way back to the start and I go, well, they don't believe that it saves lives. Either they don't believe that this tool saves lives or they don't believe that smoking kills as many people as it does. Yeah, one of those two things, you know, something that I said, and I'm glad you brought that up uh, because this too, they're trying too hard. Mm. They're trying way too hard to find something wrong with this. Think mm. about it, right? Because if I were to go in my refrigerator right now, and if I were to pull everything out, and I would go to the lengths that they're going through to prove that this is bad for you, I guarantee you 90% of the things in my refrigerator would kill me. Guaranteed. Because they, 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 it, it's their goal. Their goal is to find something wrong with it. Their goal is not, think about that. Their goal is not to prove that it could save a life. 
Their goal is not to prove that it's better than smoking. Their goal is to find something wrong with it. And I think that's the problem. They're, they're trying way too damn hard. I'm glad there's research, and there should be research, right? But listen to what, what Public Health England did. L look at some of that research. Be a little bit open-minded, a little bit, and understand that, you know what? Even if it's not bad, even if it's not good for me, I'm an adult, and I can make up my own mind what I want to do. And if that's what I want to do, I should be able to do that. That's the liberty argument. So let me yeah, ask yeah. you, let me yeah. ask you, why does it seem, because it does seem that vaping as a community has a difficult time uh, embracing the liberty argument? Uh, you, you mean like my body, my, you know, I can do yeah. my body. I mean, I, I think if you, yeah. if you were to ask vapors where, or, or what you can see, they would rather be in we vape, we vote. Then yeah. this is uh, my body, and it's my right. My to body, my choice. Yeah, my body, my choice. I don't know. I don't know why that's that's never been used as an as an argument. Um, I I honestly don't know. You know, one of my the, the, one of the things that I say is that you know if, if somebody can go into a Starbucks and they can order whatever flavor, tasty, delicious, caffeinated beverage that they want, I should be able to have whatever flavored nicotine product that I want. I should, especially with T21 on the table. So when it comes to we vape, we vote, do you mm -hmm. think that's still a valid line to use to drive vaping support? Uh, I, I, well, I don't want to say anything negative about the, um, about the campaign because uh, I want to see the campaign continue to go. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't trust or believe in any politician. At this point, not, not a single one to do anything uh, that is going to protect my right to to use a, a, a flavored nicotine product or, you know, a flavored vapor product or, or, or any <laughs> vapor product for that matter, uh, because who knows? Who knows what's next? You know, I mean, uh, they went after the Juul flavors. Juul, you know, just bent over and, and took it because you know, we, we all know why. Right. I mean, they're just big tobacco when they're playing the game. Um, they're going after Puff Bar now. Uh, how long before they before they go after um, you know our open systems, our bigger? Who knows? Who knows? Let me uh, ask we'll, you. We'll, with, you know, with P, with the PMTA looming, I guess. I mean, it's been looming now forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. With it looming, and then you've got some states, of course, that have just gone fully just tobacco flavors. I mean, what's the future for vape shops in those states that um, can only sell tobacco flavors? And yeah. then let's roll that into, eventually, is PFTA just not going to just kill all vape shops? Right. Well, first of all, I think we need, and I, I, I don't care who it comes from. I don't care if it comes from big tobacco, if it comes from inside of our industry, right? We need a PMTA to go through, flavored. Flavored or even unflavored, but flavored preferably. Because you know why? That is a statement that says vaping is safer than smoking. We have proved it, mm. and we got the PMTA to prove it. So that should open the door for more players. Unfortunately, it's cost prohibitive for all the players to move forward. And that breaks my heart, Brent. It breaks my heart that some of the people that started this industry, right, aren't going to be able to hang in there until the end of or wherever it might go.
because they simply just don't have enough money. Right. That, that really disgusts me. That breaks my heart that, 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 that's what's going to happen. Right. But I think, I think a PMTA uh, is really important because again, that that's going to make the statement that yes, we, we've been telling you that it is safer than smoking. It is. We got the PMTA. Right. Um, you know, as far as the, the states that don't have the ability to, to sell flavored products, again, you know, that's breaking my heart too. Uh, I know it's got to be very, very difficult for them, but uh, the, the only advice or the only thing that I would say is try to spin it in a positive way. I mean, if you have to say, hey, we got rid of the kids. It's an adult thing now, right? Come on in. Let me help you quit smoking, right? Now it's for the adults. I, I don't know. I, maybe that's a possibility, right? Uh, and and also, you, uh, when you say tobacco flavors, I keep hearing tobacco flavors. I mean, what is a tobacco flavor? And, and I have to read the letter of the law. I mean, I'm sure Dimitri knows about this much better than I do, right? But if you go and look at pipe tobacco flavors, there's a lot of flavors. And those are tobacco. Mm -hmm. So to me, those are tobacco flavors, right? Uh, that's the way I see it anyway. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I it's weird. It's it's weird. I mean, there's they've got a way in which they use these words to you know capture legally how to do flavors. It's like characteristics, I believe, is a right. part of the language. And well, I, uh, I remember my my father before uh, he quit smoking because he had a heart attack, and the doctor said you you got to quit smoking or you're gonna die. I mean, that's pretty good motivation right there. Um, he smoked a pipe, uh, a tobacco pipe. And I remember, I remember the tobacco that he used to use because it smelled delicious. It was rum and maple. Oh. That was the name of the tobacco, oh. rum and maple, right? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there aren't a few e-liquids out there called rum and maple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, pipe tobacco is just, I mean, it is, it is just fantastic. Let's just take a quick moment here for me to just pop over to our support website. That's at support.regulatorwatch.com. And obviously, it's tough for everybody out there, and RegWatch is downstream. So if you do get a chance, we would love you to take a quick uh, visit over to our site. Um, here it's our secure site. And, of course, we promote fact-based science. I know that's crazy that we had to actually say fact-based science <laughs> because science is supposed to be fact-based. But of course, we have to, you know, really call that out because science today is just not based in fact. Uh, we like to we counter misperceptions on vaping. We destigmatize nicotine. That's the critical thing. Destigmatizing nicotine could fundamentally change the opposition to vaping. And then, of course, hold researchers, regulators, and reporters to account. We're over 300 videos, five years covering this issue. We've had the biggest names in public health and in advocacy um, on the show. If you get a chance please go and give us a one-time support or maybe tick that monthly support monthly and join some of the great people and companies that have been out there and again i'm going to just mention again demand vape and john glauser uh, without his support we would not be here and if you do get a chance and if you are uh, somebody that uh, buys from demand make sure you thank them uh and anybody at demand for their continued support for RegWatch at this time and of course, great companies, Divine and Stealth, Sticky Canuck, Flavor Crafters, Vape Nation, great companies. Thank you so much for your support. And if you do happen to patronize these businesses, uh, that'd be great. So, and you, my friend, you were asking me if uh, Inakin was in the shot there, and it is. 
and <laughs> let's give them some love. Absolutely. You know, um, uh, several years ago now, uh, Dimitri and I were looking to, um, we, we actually got courted by uh, several uh, of the Chinese companies to, to work with them on like a line of products uh, for us. And we, we chose Inigan. Uh, we chose Inigan because we felt that Inigan never really lost sight of um, why we do what we do. Okay, look, all the Chinese companies are in it to make money, right? Um, but they never lost sight of the smoker. They've always had stuff for the smoker. I can remember uh, one of the things that we do is when we get like a positive letter, you know, thanks to an Inigan product, I don't smoke anymore. Uh, we share those uh, with, with each other. And uh, George, who's uh, one of the owners, um, this was when I was in China. Uh, I sent that message to him and he just stopped working and he leaned back and he said, you know, it really makes me feel good that we're helping people's health. Right. So, I mean, that's the kind of guy that's behind that company. All right. I still I, I believe of all the companies that they that they have done things the right way the most and probably to their detriment, too. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I can't thank them enough for the opportunity that they've, they've given me and Dimitri with our uh, platform line of products um, and with with more to come. We, we got some uh, some exciting stuff coming, too. That's fantastic. And that partnership between you and Dimitri, you know, certainly gone well. You mean the uh, the the love affair, the the um, well, the, the bromance, the domestic uh, partnership, yeah, the <laughs> bromance. <laughs> Look, other people have tried. Nobody's lasted as long as me and Dimitri. And we've had our ups and downs. Let me tell you something. We really have. Uh, you know, we, we've had our breakups, and we have we've had our you know reunions and everything. We've had our fights, and we've had our differences. And and it's a challenge. It's a challenge because we're we're both really really stubborn. Um, we're both Mediterranean stubborn guys, right? Uh, you know, I, I tend to, I tend to overreact, um, and, and take like everything like way too seriously. And when I, when I design, I design like, like all the way up here and he's the one that kind of reels me in and says, relax, you know, you're, you're overreacting, calm down and let's oh, design I've heard over those words here. from him too. <laughs> What's that? I've heard those exact words from him too. Oh, really? Relax. <laughs> Calm down. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, but it, it's been great. I mean, like I said, I don't think I have, I could have gone as far as I did without him. And hopefully he would say the same thing about me. Right. And I think he would. Excellent duo. Yeah. And, and both yeah. of you, I think the entire industry has a lot to thank you. Uh, and, you know, for... we, we've, yeah, we've, we've never, we've never lost focus. We've never lost focus in why we are doing what we're doing. Right. And that's to help people not smoke. And we're going to continue that. Well, and that's a, you know, a really good place, I think, for us to, to cap it off. I want to thank you so much, Phil, for coming back on the show. Thank you, Brent. Uh, you know, I, I hope I wasn't too dark on this. I, I think on the first interview, I was a little bit happier. I was in a better place. Vaping was in a better place, you know. Uh, I hope I wasn't too dark. But, I, you know, I am passionate about this industry. I care about this industry. I care about the people who are involved with this industry. And I care about the smokers who need to find this industry to live a longer, healthier life, right? So I, I truly care about this. And, and when I see what's going on, it frustrates me and it angers me. And, you know, I, I thank you for the opportunity to allow me to vent a little bit. Thank you. Uh, totally. This is the show to uh, vent. That's why we call it Reg Rant sometimes. So yeah. <laughs> totally. Not too dark, Phil. It's dark times out there. And I think more 
plain speaking is what's needed. And, you know, if we ruffle some feathers, we do. And hopefully uh, we get some dialogue going with inside the vaping community. Yeah. Well, that's great. Absolutely. Well, just hang tight right there for a second. And that is it for this edition of Reg Watch. And, you know, I want to thank you all for showing up. Uh, it's really a treat to have uh, Phil join us. And uh, wait a minute before I actually do this. I just have to cue my closing. Either I do it now or it's going to be right after. So uh, head over to um, our Facebook Head over to support.regulatorwatch.com and consider making a financial contribution to our vaping coverage. It's easy. Dig in your wallet and find a few dollars and toss them our way. You'll be happy you did, and so will we. And while online, don't forget to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. For regulatorwatch.com, I'm Brent Stafford.